Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Kudenitsya, The Well, a monthly podcast series about Ukrainians and their interesting activities around the globe. Today is Wednesday, June 26, 2019. Our guest for this episode is Aretha Kowalski, who is the producer and writer for the blog and website Forgotten Galicia. Hello, Aretta. How are you today? Very good, thank you. How are you? Great, great. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on Kredenitsia today. Yeah, so, happy to be here. So I guess maybe it was two weeks ago, I was casting around on the internet, as I usually do, looking for new folks to talk with on this podcast. And I came across your Forgotten Galicia site and started poking around in it and was absolutely fascinated by the information you have there. I am the organizer, co-organizer actually, co-founder of a group in New Jersey that does Ukrainian genealogy called Nashi Pretki. And we have conferences on a regular basis. Many of our attendees are third, fourth, and fifth generation Ukrainians in the United States and Canada. And a website like this would be of particular use to them because so many of them know absolutely nothing about where their ancestors came from. So anyway, I'd like to chat about that today. But before we do that, I want to get some background on you, your professional and educational background, as well as your family background. Yeah, sure. So I was born in Chicago. My grandparents were from Ukraine. Uh, mostly from Western Ukraine, although one grandmother was from Central Ukraine. And so I grew up uh, in the Chicago community, uh, in the Ukrainian community. Um, always had a fascination with everything Ukrainian. Uh, and um, I completed my degree in international studies and did a master's degree in Eastern European studies. And um, from maybe, for many years I had my passion for Ukraine was so strong that I always knew that I wanted to move here. And at that time, a lot of people thought it was a pretty crazy idea, but I decided that I was going to do it, and uh, I did it. <laughs> Years now, I've been living in, uh, in, in Lviv, in Ukraine, and absolutely loving it. So you came to Lviv around 2011? Correct. And uh, you mentioned it was your grandparents who came from Ukraine, so they would have been part of the what we call the third wave of uh, immigrants to the United States, correct? Correct. And so yeah. how, what has your experience been like in Lviv? I've been there myself twice because I, I have relatives there uh, and visited, and I love the city. It's an interesting place, a lot happening, a lot of cultural stuff, as well as a lot to see historically. But what has your experience been like actually living there? And I assume that you're working there as well. Correct, yes. Um, I am working right now in IT, which is a, a sphere that's very quickly developing in, in Lviv and in Ukraine in general. And it's really, there's a lot of great opportunities. Um, so that's, that's my day job and in my free time I work on my blog, but uh, yeah, it's been quite fascinating to, to be in Lviv uh, full-time in these past eight years and to see really how much it's changed. When I first came here, it was you know, a lot different than it is today, and a lot of that has to do with uh, even just tourism is, is starting to really pick up, uh, just opening of a lot of new restaurants, cafes, a lot more cultural events, um, you know, a lot of really interesting projects uh, in terms of urban planning and um, just uh, revitalizing different neighborhoods, um, 
creating these new spaces for 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 young people and for kind of uh, places for for art and music and yeah so it's just really Lviv has transformed a lot and it's uh, it's it's been definitely very very fascinating I mean I can't say that it's been super easy from the very beginning it's it was, it was a big adjustment to to come from Chicago to Lviv um, but I was fortunate that I had uh, some family some distant relatives here and uh, rather quickly made some nice friends and connections uh, especially uh, before I moved here in 2011, I did the summer school of Ukrainian language and culture at the Ukrainian Catholic University in Lviv. And that was just a really great way to kind of start understanding uh, more about Lviv and, and Ukraine and the culture, the more current culture, because growing up, I was familiar with you know, the history and the folk culture, but I didn't really know much about what life was like living in Ukraine now. So it was kind of a gradual uh, process spending some time here and then moving here and kind of getting the flow of how, how to do everything and uh, improving my language and you know finding work and doing the documents for for my residency and so it was, uh, it was definitely a challenge to do all these things in a new country in a language that although I was I knew Ukrainian before I moved here it was definitely kind of an outdated and uh, not a very high level. So that's something that was also a struggle. And, um, but, uh, but it's just been very gratifying to, to be here and to live through all these challenges of dealing with being an expat and dealing with maybe conditions that I'm not used to and, and roads and infrastructure. But uh, it, it's all worth it because it's just fascinating to be in a place that's that's changing so so much and that has this really rich culture this very rich history that you just see you know every day walking down the street and you're always discovering more so it's it's for me it's been quite amazing to, to be here well and on that point of language i was poking around on your on your blog this morning and found the section talking about the differences between modern ukrainian as it's currently spoken there and the language of the diaspora in the United States and Canada. Can you get into that a little bit? Because I found that really interesting. Yeah, sure. So that's one of the things that when I first moved to Ukraine that I started to really notice was I would speak the Ukrainian that I grew up speaking in Chicago growing up there. And I would say a word and the people around me would kind of look at me funny. And eventually I realized that the words that were come, some some of the words that were coming out of my mouth were words that they only hear from from their grandparents from maybe people in the village and for them to hear a young person saying these words was just very strange and I you know started to kind of research and, and think about it and realize that that when so as we mentioned my grandparents came uh, third generation uh, third wave so it was right after World War two um, they came to Chicago through Germany, and they were, uh, especially a lot of the, the immigrants from that, in that specifically that wave, were from Western Ukraine, from Galicia, and so they were speaking this kind of more Western dialect of Ukrainian, which had a lot, a lot of Polish influence, and had never really been under any sort of Russification, and so this was the language that they spoke uh, in Lviv and Galicia before the war, and this is the language that this wave of immigrants took with them 
when they left Ukraine and uh, came to Chicago and to other major cities in North America. And although there may have been Ukrainians before that, uh, still a lot of the immigrants were maybe from Western Ukraine, and it was just the majority were from Western Ukraine. So that was kind of became, especially in Chicago, the, the language that the community spoke was this kind of Galician, you could say, dialect. So I grew up speaking this language that you know was spoken by my grandparents, and in in the states it didn't really change, it didn't evolve like languages often evolve, and so it kind of stuck to that that pre-war language. And it's kind of fascinating that it's continuing to be spoken that way in in North America, while in the place where it originated in Western Ukraine, you know it's it's not the standard language anymore. You've had Russification, you've had just the evolution of the language. So now when people come from diaspora to Ukraine. There's definitely that difference, and so when I uh, so many years ago when when I first was living here, I decided to start kind of putting together a dictionary of all these words because I was having a hard time keeping track of you know what's spoken in in Ukraine now, what 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 was I used to speaking in the states, and I was kind of getting it mixed up. So I figured it'd be really interesting to make a dictionary and kind of put together a list of all the words that. Uh, are spoken in the diaspora that that now are I guess are outdated or uh, just you know uh, just not used anymore in, in Ukraine. So I ended up putting together quite a big list of uh, over 500 words that shows uh, just kind of the difference vocabulary that that the, the two places now speak. And it's uh, something that I know a lot of people who from the diaspora who when they come to 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 Lviv uh, notice this difference and. So it was very interesting for me to research it, and and again, a lot of it has to do with the proximity to Poland. So there's a lot more Polish influence in, in the language that is spoken in the diaspora, and again, the, it was never under Russian Russia until after the war. So the Russification came a lot later, and so it's yeah, it's quite quite fascinating to see to see the differences. Can we turn to your your website, your blog now? How did you come up with the idea for Forgotten Galicia? So it started with my interest in, in ghost signs, which are these uh, old hand-painted signs that you can find on the facades of buildings that advertised uh, products that a store was, was selling. And so again, soon after I moved here, I started coming across these old signs uh, around Lviv, and they were generally in Polish or Yiddish, and I just found it so fascinating that the, the signage is so old and that you can still find it uh, in in Lviv and it's you know under layers of paint and plaster that are kind of crumbling away and so slowly reappearing into Lviv and just so fascinated by it and I started you know find trying to find more examples of these taking pictures of them and you know thought that I want to do something with with this uh, and at the same time I started realizing that there were other kind of traces of the past that you could find around the city so not only these ghost signs but you could find even outdated elements of, for example, the horse-drawn transportation infrastructure, for example, guard stones, which were placed at either side of a entrance to a building where carriages used to go to, which uh, these kind of metal or stone little kind of, uh, I guess, st stones near, near the entrance that would prevent uh, the carriages from, stop the carriages from crashing into the corners of the building and damaging the buildings and other basically a lot of these other examples of things that are just kind of outdated but still found uh, in in Yviv and yes 
the more I realized that there are these kinds of traces, the more I realized that, you know, I could kind of put it all together into a blog and, and create a space where I basically document these forgotten pieces of, of Yavid history. And specifically, I was interested in kind of these physical aspects, these physical objects that people can still see and that, but that are forgotten, but they're almost everywhere. And yeah, so it's kind of started with that. But uh, and then I realized also, as we talked about the diaspora language, I mean, this is also sort of something that is in a way sort of kind of outdated. It's, it's kind of like a trace of, of what Galicia used to be before the war. So that I realized that that also fit into this um, this idea of a blog. And so basically putting all these things together uh, to create the space where I can write about the history of Yavid from a kind of a different aspect, from a kind of architectural, urban urban infrastructure, uh, you know, aspect of, of these traces that, that are still there. And uh, another thing that I really wanted to do when I was writing this, started this uh, blog, was to not focus just on, for example, just the Ukrainian experience of of Galicia and of this this region, but also kind of looking at different perspectives because before the war, especially in Lviv, uh, there was a, a very large Polish and Jewish population. And growing up in the Ukrainian community, I, you know, we learned about the Ukrainian history, but I didn't really know anything about uh, the Polish or Jewish history. So I thought it'd be great to have a space, uh, especially in, in English language, that kind of looks at the history of Galicia from from different perspectives, from different people, from from different uh, spheres, and um, you know, make make this space kind of a unique space for for anyone who has uh, ancestors in in Galicia or who's just interested in the region. And um, there's just also very quite little information in English about a lot of these things that I'm writing about. So ended up being kind of this uh, fulfilling this niche where no one had really you know, blogged about and it ended up becoming, you know, pretty, pretty popular, pretty successful. A lot of people come across it and, you know, they start learning more about the context of the lives of their ancestors. And I think it's been pretty, pretty helpful. And where did you get those fantastic maps, especially the one that's up at the top of your blog? Uh, yeah, well, there's uh, some great resources with a lot of different maps and images from Yviv. Uh, that one I actually don't remember, but uh, for example, well, there's a website, it's a Polish website called polono.pl, uh, I believe, and they there's like an archive where uh, they have just tons of maps and old photographs from from the former Polish and Commonwealth, basically, from so it covers a lot of Galicia. And um, there's some other really great uh, resources that have great archives of, of maps and photographs that you can find online. So is there a book in the future for you? <laughs> this is a lot of people have asked me this question. Um, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's kind of hard to keep up even with the blog as I have a full time job. And, you know, but I love spending time on, on this. Uh, um, so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Loretta, unfortunately, we're out of time, but can you tell our audience where they can actually find your blog, Forgotten Galicia? Sure, it's uh, Forgotten Galicia at ForgottenGalicia.com. There's also a Facebook page uh, called Forgotten Galicia where 
I not only publish, uh, share links to new posts, but also share photographs uh, from from Lviv and from around the region, uh, especially of architecture, and also share other interesting articles uh, that have been written by other people related to to the you know history of Galicia. So yeah, and and an Instagram account, also Forgotten Galicia. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I have been speaking with Aretha Kowalski, who is the producer and writer for a blog called Forgotten Galicia. And this is Mike Burek, your host and a producer of Krenitsia, The Well, a monthly podcast series about Ukrainians around the globe and their interesting activities. Until next time, that's all for now.